On this week's episode of the Wealth Collective podcast, we've got Pete back, and he's going to talk to us about a recent blog that he just wrote, um, all about beating the investment stall and why it pays dividends to remain patient. Enjoy. Everything we talk about on today's podcast is general advice only because we don't know your individual personal situation. Before you act on anything we've spoken about, you should chat to your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, feel free to reach out to us. Now, on to today's show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Wealth Collective Podcast. I'm Zach Masters, and today I'm joined by Anthony Malvazo from AGM Advisory Group. How are you going, Anthony? Uh, just back in Melbourne in feels like 2020, uh, overdue for a haircut, not sure what to do, <laughs> if it's a home <laughs> job or are we out in one week, two weeks, but trying to keep my head high and really excited about a, a guest that we're bringing back. I'm not sure about a guest, but uh, someone's re-entered the pod, so I've heard. John Farnham, um, back in another form, Pete Pennycott from Bacardo, <laughs> welcome back. I am the voice. Um, I never <laughs> retired. <laughs> Inundated with fan mail, it's been forced back. I know, by popular demand. Uh, so, no, not really. No, no one's asked me. But, you know, COVID has us looking for things to do. So, I'm back. I'm excited. I've been uh, listening and you've been doing a great job. So, I sort of felt like, um, yeah, a little bit left out and a little bit jealous. So, um, happy to sort of get involved. What are we talking about today, gentlemen? Well, I've heard you've been doing some cooking in lockdown. So, new skills. So many things. I don't know about skills, but definitely <laughs> giving it a crack. Just uh, you know, just earlier, I sort of did some pork loins that came out a uh, a treat. So nailed pork. Beef is um, yeah, beef is my kryptonite at the moment. So yeah, so good segue to my good segue to my latest blog that somehow I've managed to turn something that was supposed to distract me from financial planning, turning that into financial planning. So I have now coined, trademarked. Can no one else can use it? investment stall um so having a look at when i was when are you cooking a brisket there's this period of time so you got to like raise the internal temperature of the meat uh and there's this point where it can go for hours and it actually feels like an eternity where the temperature just does not rise so you're sort of cooking 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 going what is going wrong um and as a novice you're sort of freaking out a bit and you're like i need to do something and you tinker and you're like I'll pump up the temperature. I'll wrap it in foil. I'll wrap it in butcher's paper. I'll poke it with this. I'll lift up the lid. How many times? Um, and none of that helps. And then you look at, you listen to the, the pit masters and they're all just cool, calm, collect. They just go, the meat will be ready when the meat is ready. So just let it ride. I've been here um, done it before. Yeah. And so, it's worth the wait. Yeah. And you're only you're going to damage it. You're going to sort of make it worse by, you know, um, stuffing around with it too early when you shouldn't be. So, so how do you think about it? investments? Yeah, well, well it was a long, long bow. Yeah. <laughs> um, it did have me thinking going, oh, why, do, why does the retail investor get such itchy, uh, I don't know, mouse finger, like where they want to go buy a trade, I want to move in and out of this. Um and I think that's got to do with it. So just similar to why I'm so itchy out there, even though I know I've, I've read everything. I watched a million YouTube videos going, do not do anything. It's fine. It's going to be fine. And yet in the heat of the moment, when the pressure's on, you're like, 
oh, I'll just lift it up. I'll have a look. Maybe this will fix it. Uh, it's gone for too long. Um, so I think that's the difference between a professional investor who's sort of, you know, you've been there before, you're sort of a, a little bit battle-hardened, you've seen different scenarios. And I think that's the, that's the unique thing and similar with investments. It's the constantly evolving feast of uh, factors that are influencing the price of assets. Similar to a piece of beef where you're like, you don't know, like it might be a really, uh, really uh, butch, you know, like real strong muscle, lean bull that you've, uh, you're have you getting your, your beef from. Or it might be a, a real lazy Jeez. cow in the back. Yeah, who knows? So it's got Making us hungry. <laughs> different Making us hungry. <laughs> um, so those, those unknowns, you can deal with better if you've been there and you've gone, okay, I know that this sort of thing could happen or this is the path it's likely to take. Um, so you can look at it through a more analytical and, um, yeah, more, I guess, measured lens as opposed to reacting emotionally. So that's yeah. how I got it back to in, investing. Um, so I, I hope it hope it sort of somehow there's a link between the two. I, yeah, I think about financial planning a lot. Uh, pretty much all the time. <laughs> Well, that's what you're saying in your blog that you're that investment story you're talking about is you're referring to a phase, stage, or period of an investment's journey where it plateaus. So the price seems to not be doing a lot, and this pressure compounds when the perception or reality is that the rest of the market's going up. So you use CSL as an example um, in your blog. Oh, that, was just saying... one, that was just one I picked out because everyone's yeah, everyone's heard of CSL, one mm. of Australia's best businesses. Uh, yeah, it's involved in uh, the COVID outbreak, not creating it, but mm. trying to solve it. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it was like an example. It happens with a lot of great companies. You know, you'll see there, go like jump on like Yahoo Finance or Google um, Google Finance, just get some charts, you know, stretch them out to five years, 10 years. You'll find a lot of the time, a lot of these, the profile, if they've been a growing business, it actually looks like a staircase. Yeah. So you sort of get these times, it goes up sideways for a bit. And then, you know, there's no news cycle. There's nothing happening. But the business is still sound. It's still doing its thing. And, you know, what I question is, are you buying these business? Are you a trader or are you an investor? And if you're an investor, you're not like buying it to sell it next year. The, ultimate, like, the ideal holding period is forever. And that, yeah, it um, comes back to what we talk about quite a lot on this podcast is that buy and hold, which is our philosophy. So I guess, Tone, uh, Anthony, why, does, like, um, why do you believe that it's best to buy and hold and why is that so important to you? Well, generally to buy and hold, that's definitely an approach I believe in is I don't have the time or skill to be a day trader and unless you're all over the markets and enjoy ready charge, chances are a short-term trade trading uh, strategy won't work out for, for anyone who wants to go down that path. But more importantly, I remember hearing in like 06, 05, 06 that there was a listen to a speaker who believed in the buy and hold into blue chip blue chip stocks if you put like 300 grand in the initial cba float in 92 and reinvest the dividends you'd have a balance of roughly around seven mil obviously we've we've come a long way since that and probably hopefully it's a lot more but more importantly you'd have two dividends per year that would cover a luxury lifestyle that guess what you wouldn't have to do anything to keep receiving that dividend and i'd, I'd say for investors that are buy and hold i think that's the end game rather um, you obviously want to create a, a balance but i think most people they want to create a passive income so they can you know decide what how what business they run or how they work and that's sort of one benefit day trading is more for that short-term approach so that's personally why i 
go down the buy and hold. And also it's more, it's a game to be a short-term trader. As initially said, you really need to be really on the ball every day, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you agree with those, Pete? Are there other reasons why you're so passionate about this buy and hold strategy? I don't think it's just blindly buy and hold. You gotta, <clears throat> it's okay to like assess it and look at it and evaluate the situation. Go, hey, has my investment thesis changed? Has the business changed? Has the dynamics for the, um, you know, there are all the reasons that I bought the, the business or the investment or the ETF. Is it the same? And if it is, play on. Um, if not, reassess it and go go back to it and go, hey, if it's changed, don't be so like, don't stick your head in the sand and go just be like completely blase about it and go, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, sometimes you need to interject and sort of move stuff, but that should not be your starting point. That should be like where you're looking at it going, there's a reason for it. And so I'd encourage everyone, if you don't have an investment strategy written down, get one. Get your pen and paper, get your iPad out, get a whatever, your keyboard, draft one. Yeah, have in there your time frame. You know, have in there your risk tolerance. Um, and also, you know, have in there like what types of investments you're going to hold. And then when you pick them, once you narrow that down, like have the reasons why. Like why do you hold all these investments? So have even maybe like three reasons for, three reasons against. And then go back to that and reassess and review your notes. Um, that will help you breathe and maybe make better decisions when you're um, faced with that urge to do something. And we all get it. Like I've ruined, like, I don't know, four really good pieces of brisket. And the only one that turned out really good was the one I bought from Coles, the cheap one. So go figure. Cause, and I knew, but it's really hard. You get seduced into it. Sort of a, it's like, don't look down when you sort of walk in a tightrope and you look down. And that's seduction that you're talking about. So that's uh, recency bias. Um, so you discussed this in your blog as well. So recency bias is a cognitive bias that favours recent events over historic ones. So like the common examples are of oh, the last two Super Bowls were the best Super Bowls ever or, or everything that's happened recently, you just seem as the best because you've just gone through it at a more recent time. And you talk about this as the way um, in your blog of going, everything else seems to be going up, but this particular stock seems to be plateauing and, and staying still. So what are some of the ways that I guess um, we can try and avoid this recency bias, Pete? Uh, like use, use data, use facts. And like, it doesn't solve anything. You still have, you're human, you've got emotions, you know, we're all like piles of mush uh, inside. So you've got to try and tame that and go, well, how do I, how do I combat that internally? And you might be data, you might go, hang on. Okay, let's have a look and sort of, peel back why did i set up this investment in the first place what are my tax implications of moving it because if it's a good long-term investment for you you transacting on it yeah you're going to be paying depending on your marginal tax rate it might be a, like a significant capital gain so you're talking about even after your 50 percent cgt discount you might be up for like nearly a quarter of the uh, the value of your gain because you're sort of your tax on the way out and then that might make you look at it differently and go hang on even just by holding it and diverting that to a year when I've got lower income, that may actually sort of, it's by doing nothing is actually giving me a gain. So that might get, build you a little bit more confidence. Also there's transaction um, costs as well that can happen. Uh, yeah, transaction costs, but they're becoming, 
becoming minimal now. Like you, yeah, most cool. of them are sort of um, negligible in terms of your transaction costs will be less than what it moves in an hour most of the time. If you, yeah, but if you're trading constantly, constantly, it can add up. Um, if you're doing, if you're trading you know, constantly, lots, constantly, lots you're probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> if you are, you can. Uh, I'd assume you would have stopped at episode like 30 or something. Um, it's just. <laughs> So like there's that as well, but then you go, okay, if, it, if this is an inherent behavior with you and you're constantly tinkering with your portfolio and you're finding it's not adding value, you know, go back and go, have you outperformed the market? And if you haven't, or if you haven't met your objectives, well, maybe have a look at going, do I need just to go into a diversified fund? You know, you can get an exchange traded fund, you get a wholesale fund, and then you're like less obsessed with one particular company it's going to move um in line or sort of very close to what the market's doing so you're not going to have this fomo effect are you talking about like a diversified index fund uh it could be a diversified index fund or a diversified fund like anything that's diversified a lot of them are going to like be close to or near enough an index yeah um and you can still pick ones that interest you you can make it sexy you can make it fun um, but as long as it fits within your um, investment strategy and like your preferences, and then because it's diversified and because you've got so many holdings in there, you're probably going to find you're going to be more comforted when you're looking at it going, okay, well, it might have underperformed a bit or overperformed a bit, but it's not going to be sitting flat and then the market's gone up 20% or something like that because yeah. just by virtue of holding a basket of investments, you're more likely to be closer to what the, the market's doing. And I think that's probably the thing that causes people to get itchy feet. It's like that, well, what's mm. what's happening next door? Or someone like, is always greener oh, what? On the other side. Yeah, well, mm. why didn't I put all my mm. money in Afterpay? I should have sold all my houses, my investment properties, put everything in Afterpay when it was $9. Of course, but yeah, absolutely. Mm. That would have been great. Um, but Big you don't choice. have a crystal ball for those things. Um, so I think you need to be... Yeah, just trying to calm your emotions. So the, you can do that. You can sort of have like outsource it. So you have a professional manager that stands in between you and your portfolio. Um, yeah, there's costs involved with that. So if you can do it yourself and you're a self-directed investor, you don't necessarily need to jump and go, oh, go straight to advice because, you know, there's costs involved with that. So if you can try and, you know, master this art yourself, um, yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, so, I, look, I don't know, what would you be doing? Take it away, Anthony. Well, uh, get, firstly, getting back to the Super Bowl, last year was one of the greatest, being a massive Tom Brady fan. That was unbelievable, taking down Patrick Mahomes. Getting back to investments, I've had plenty of, plenty of um, investments that are on sort of like Pete's cooking that have that are stalled. <laughs> and you, what you've got to do, you've got to revisit your uh, your initial objectives and keep the, the, the end goal front of mind. What I do to overtake overtake recency bias i use my past experience and advice on those close to me that i trust their opinion um having gone through the gfc you try and always remember things that you were thinking then and then pretty much everything opposite of happened so you try and relate that in you know your future decisions and your future advice uh i was listening to a podcast uh, that was talking about the US property market for this week. And there was a question about the guy one, a certain guy wanted to buy in Denver, which apparently it's really, really uh, going well and prices are booming. And the gentleman who was hosting was saying, there's a lot of signs they were pointing back to 0506, which was right when the subprime crisis was at its uh, at its critical point. And he said it was only 13 years ago that this, that where the GFC really did happen. You don't want to. It's important not to 
make the same mistakes because trends are going through the same thing. And that's where you just want to basically go, I base it off my past experience. I think that's where, that's how a lot of advisors and a lot of people do, do, uh, you know, do treat their investment approach. Uh, but you just want to gain the opinions of those you trust that really know what they're talking about and um, stick to your initial objective. Yeah, and I think that's um, that's key. Like a lot of the, the Buffett quote is, if you're not going to invest in a stock for 10 years, you shouldn't hold it for 10, even 10 minutes. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think like you learn by making mistakes, like I'm sure a couple of us in here might have bought a share or something when someone's tipped us off because something's they think something's going to happen soon and more often than not, it probably doesn't go that way. Um, most of them might have been my dad's tips, I think, actually. <laughs> but it's, um, so you learn by that as well. Is that like the best performing investments when you look at your portfolio are usually the ones that you've sat and held on um, for quite a long period of time. Um, and then obviously, yeah, Pete, you spoke about engaging the services of a financial planner as well, but yeah. having someone that can act as that middle ground or that yeah but even even before that it's like preparation like i think it is like Mm. and with anything with anything why did you invest uh, in the first place well there's that you work that out but you also got to do your homework and go all right well what else should i do to try and be a good investor i need to diversify so don't just buy one business because then you're going to like have laser focus on it so you've got a diversified Mm. portfolio of different asset classes different businesses within those asset classes so that's good. You don't have an investor too much. So you've got your risk profile right. So then you're not freaking out going, I need this money because my uh, I'm like the volatility is too high or oh, actually my time frame is wrong. So all these things will help you just run your portfolio like it should be, like a long-term, you know, a good investment plan. So that preparation, similar to like when you're doing the brisket, it's like, okay, the night before, you got to sort of put your rub on it, do all this, let it sort of... Get in, get in there. You got to prep it. You got to inject it. You got to massage it. You got to take it out for a walk. No, don't do that. Um, but all that it helps you sort of make the process go smoother because you're feeling more calm throughout it. So, but nothing will ever prepare you for when there's a big market shock. So just know that's human as well. Uh, and you know, just try and reach out to someone or sort of there's you know there's investment boards and stuff like that where you can chat to people if you don't have a close network um but otherwise you know go to the resources like your money smarts and stuff there's like some pretty sage advice and sort of yes. wisdom of people that have done it before and there's a lot of information on the biases as well um because especially your you speak about recency bias but greed can play a part in this too especially when you see other shares going up and then it comes back to what's your initial plan like how, what did you want these funds to do in a certain amount of time because you can start to tr- chase extra returns, um, but that could backfire on you as well and then leave you in a worse off position um, than what you might have been had you just stuck to your initial plan. Um, I was just reading a book recently, which speaks a lot about how people who made a lot of money ended up losing a lot of money and that's because they just kept chasing um, more and more higher returns or they got greedier and greedier as they went along. And really at the start, if they had just stuck their initial investment plan, they would have hit all their goals um, quite easily. Uh, did you want to say something, Anthony, on that point? Yeah, I've got a question to throw back to both years. And while we've got the the brisket guru on the pod, <laughs> we don't know. It might be a one. It might be a ten day contract. It might be a you know a, a max contract. We're not sure. But CBA this week we're offering a buyback. How would that that might throw some you know CBA's 
one of the, one of the largest companies in Australia. We got a lot of mum and dad investors, and a lot of would be saying, "What's happening here? What's the approach there?" And it's a lot of you know, how does that affect the recency bias? Is it a good thing? It's a bad thing. I'm sure we all know, but it's something maybe just of a talking point. Well, I can't imagine a buyback would be anything but positive for most retail mm. investors. So, mm. yeah, <clears throat> the big thing with a, a buyback is you know, return of capital to investors. So it's not going to be a cause for you to want to like change your investment thesis largely. For most people, it's quite positive. The The trick's going to be like, do you, how much do you apply for? These things are generally scaled back because they're quite popular. So I think that's more of a nuanced, you know, individual investor uh, decision. But I, yeah, I haven't heard any negativity about it to be honest. Other than people want more. You know, we wish it was bigger. Um, but you know, these things have its limit. Like six billion, it's not, not nothing to sneeze at, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was just thinking. Yeah, might the the average investor might just think, oh, you know, they might. This is a time where if you're not too sure, you just want to speak to your advisor or someone yeah. who's. Just just do the math because if you're Mm. if you're on a low or zero marginal tax rate, so if you're in super like accumulation, it's okay. But like if you're in pension phase or you're not earning an income and it's you're under the tax free threshold, yeah, it's likely going to be very appealing uh, because those Mm. franking credits are sort of money back um, in your pocket. So um, whereas yeah, if you're on a highest marginal tax rate, it's probably not going to be that appealing, other than the fact that (laughs) the the, yeah, the parcel, the pie of shares is going to get a little bit smaller. Mm. So, um, and the, I think the other thing with this is you get rewarded for holding long term. And if you're going to climb that staircase of returns, just remember like the most you can lose on an investment is 100%. The, the you know, most you can gain is infinity. So it's asymmetric return. So you're providing you're buying well and you're being diversified just your winners are going to outpace and outsize your losers. So, you know, try and, you know, you know, that's where the homework comes in, that preparation, try and invest well from the start and then just hold, you know, like hold until something changes, until your position becomes so outsized that, you know, you just, it's bad diversification to keep holding it. But otherwise, um, try and fight that stall. I'm going to try and, I've got a brisket lined up for the weekend. I'm going to try and not touch it not going to lift up the hood uh, for hours until the you know, until my for, meat probe tells me to. Go for a 13-hour walk. That's the whole brisket. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I guess, yeah. So the main points, are these good things come to those that wait. What would you want to leave mm. people with for this blog, Pete? Um, just, oh, the biggest thing, I'd try and be patient. Like, Try and be disciplined. Don't be emotional with investment. There's no place for emotions in investing. That's it's not that's mm. not the place for it. Um, there's plenty of other good things to do with your emotions. Doing it like you know, getting in love with your portfolio or getting like itchy. Did, did you uh, still? Did you still? It's from. <laughs> I think you've cut out. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if it was worth hearing, but it's probably like a jab, it's probably a jab at me. I imagine. Mm. No. Go on, yeah, no, I don't know. There are, there's no emotions uh, that are fit for purpose within an investing uh, strategy. So I think that's what it all comes down to. Um, but it's not easy. That's what I definitely say. I get it. The urge is like, what's happened? And maybe use that urge to do more research, not just hit sell. Yeah. 
very good. Well, we will put a link to the blog in the show notes. So if you want to give that a read, uh, there's a few more blogs on the website up at the moment. Um, but as always, if you've got any questions, email us at connectofacada.com.au. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Nice to have you back for an episode, Pete. Good to be back. Thanks, Thanks for having me. I'll uh, see you all in a, a few more weeks. Thanks, guys.